0: back episode 54 the first one for 2019 I know it's taken me a while but better late than never as they say I had a little bit of time to recover from panto frolicking uh, to rest my knees my heart my soul my lungs Um, and uh, just generally uh, I had a week where I just didn't do very much at all I know and I'm not going to feel guilty about it because I worked very hard over Christmas and New Year But anyway we're back. I hope that your holiday season was fabulous. I hope that you are sticking to your resolutions if you've made them. Um, My resolution again is to not have any resolutions Um, and I am looking forward to just getting on with the year and getting my head down and enjoying everything I do whether it be work, play or anything in between. So here we are and it's happening. I'm not going to talk about Brexit, even though that's what is just everywhere. Every time I turn on my phone, the television, my computer is there. But I'm not going to talk about it because there are other things to talk about. Because what will be will be at the moment. It seems like we we don't have a say. And if we don't have a say, it's not worth saying. So moving on. Positive and upwards and onwards. So, as I say, I hope everyone's had a wonderful time. Um, uh, Panto was great. You've heard all about it. Um, because you met all of the cast. If you've been listening to the last few episodes, you would have had the uh, solo episode with Lyle and myself and then the whole cast um, just before Christmas uh, happened. Um, so, yes, I'm looking forward to uh, talking about other things this week, um, but a big love and respect to everybody involved in that. And, um, and yes, I hope to see you all very soon. Um, so, episode 54, and this week I have the pleasure of talking to uh, the DJ, Mr. Neil Prince. And Neil Prince um, has a wide and varied background in DJing, from supporting Banana Rama, for goodness sakes, on their tour last year with the original lineup. Let's just remember that full original lineup. Um, uh, to DJing at Camp Attack uh, for Jeremy Joseph, to creating his own night, R and She, um, and also Pump, and well, the list goes on. And various festivals, and we're going to talk all about it. So I don't need to to read that all to you now. But um, he has a, a podcast. And his podcast is called Retro Chart Trivia, and basically, it is so much fun. I was telling him it's one of the one of my favourite podcasts. I believe I have recommended it to you all before, if you're regular listeners. But if you haven't listened, please do once you finish listening to this one. Uh, Retro Chart Trivia available on iTunes and everywhere that good podcasts are available. And Neil Neil's podcast is so much fun. It's facts, figures um and fun facts and figures from the year so he will take you back to a day and a year and a chart and it's almost like listening to the charts as i used to do on a sunday and but with added smash hits extra fun facts about things like where kim wilde does her shopping and what flavor ice cream she likes for example um i don't know if we did get those quotes but it's that kind of stuff you get the drift um Please go and listen uh, once you've listened to Neil with me. But he has an encyclopedic knowledge of pop music and pop culture. um, And I have to say it was so much fun. And he brings up so many songs I'd completely forgotten about by people who I love and albums that I'd loved that I've probably got hidden away in cassettes under the bed. Um, But there are so many recommendations for you on this one that you should sometimes stop, listen, and come back to our conversation. Um, Talking of recommendations, uh, my recommendations for beginning of this year are, well, um, a lot of you probably have seen it already, but I went to the cinema with my fellow castmates to watch Mary Poppins Returns. And I'm not a sucker for that kind of thing usually, but as you know, people who've listened from the very beginning know that Mary Poppins has been a major player in my youth and has kind of been with me ever since Um, and I loved and adored the original Um, and I did have a period where I wanted to be Mary Poppins. Anyhow the new film is just so beautiful Um, and I, I I did cry. I did have a moment where i well there were a few moments where i sobbed um but there's a song called the place where lost things go that um mary emily blunt sings um about missing uh sitting into the kids because well it's not really a spoiler but their mother isn't around and the kids are the children of the original boy who's now grown up um and lost his wife From the first film, Um, I won't go any further because there's lots in it. And Meryl Streep's in it; she's fabulous. Lin Manuel Miranda is brilliant. Emily Blunt is brilliant. The the kids are great. It's uh, the songs are fantabulous. Um, There is nothing else to say but go and see it and take a box of tissues and be prepared to be moved if you're a sensitive, soppy sod like me. Um, That's definitely a recommendation. Get to the cinema and see that if you haven't already. Um, And then uh, for music, let's jump in there. There are a couple of albums. Um, I think I may have mentioned it before, but there was an album... Um, that came out at the end of last year called From the Dirt by uh, a guy called Wajid W-A-A-J-E-E-D. Um and on iTunes it's classed as electronic but it is kind of mid-90s soulful vocal house crossed with electronica I suppose is the best way to put it but it's brilliant honestly I mentioned about i've mentioned about it there we go there's tongue tied for you i talked about it on twitter already um but go and go and listen to it and you will probably want to download it um i recommended it to a few people and they have thanked me for it so it's called from the dirt by wajid and it came out at the end of last year um and then another discovery i've had is a lady called georgia ann muldrow and georgia ann muldrow is um the itunes classification of it is r&b soul um but it is i i don't really know how to describe it it is sort of if you know erica badu and she met up with Joni mitchell um and they had a few drinks um and sang uh, janice joplin that's probably where I'd best describe, the only way I can describe her, she has an amazing voice. She's been around for a long time, apparently, but I've only just discovered her, so uh, more fool me. But anyway, so her album is called Overload, and she's called Georgia Ann Muldrow, and the album is called Overload. So two recommendations for you there musically. Um, uh, there's been so much stuff I've watched on on netflix over christmas um when i wasn't working and uh, since i've been back i'm not gonna because the list would go on forever um the only thing i would say is if you haven't watched it which i'm sure most of you have um for people in the us i think you probably be able to get it on bbc america i play i trust there is one oh i should have checked anyway um if not it's probably on youtube as well i'm sure somebody's put it on there but is uh, a show about the british band bros 80s boy band they were twin brothers um and it really is just it's genius um funny for all the right reasons all the wrong reasons um but uh, it's it's a definite not to be missed uh rockumentary shall we say I will say no more on that. It has reignited my love for them um, and their strange and interesting ways. Anyway, I think it's time. It's that time of day to jump in and meet Mister Neil Prince. So, shuffling my papers and put my glasses on. <laughs> this is the news. <laughs> it does feel a bit <laughs> like that. Anyway, so thank you for joining me, Neil. Thank you very and much for inviting me. You're very welcome on this sunny January afternoon. Yeah, it's quite nice out there. It's a isn't lovely it? day out there. And I'm not going to go on about the weather to you because <laughs> that's really weird. So, Neil Prince, first of all, I'm going to just. Give the listeners your biography. Okay, wow. (laughs) Um, So DJ now podcaster with a uh, retro chart trivia, um, described as having a biblical knowledge of pop music. As I've just discovered, I'm even more so. This is definitely true. Anyway, (laughs) one of London's premier pop DJs, recently opening for, and my goodness me, Banana Rama.
1: Yes, totally amazing.
0: (laughs) Have to talk about that. Uh-huh. Um, and you created the night R&She, dedicated to queens of hip-hop and R&B. Yeah. Um, who, in that guise, you also opened for En Vogue. Yes. Oh <laughs> and uh, And you've had Spinderella work with you as well. We have, yes. Because
1: um, Marcus Q-Boy, one of the other DJs, he's actually friends with salt and Pepper because he loves them that much that he absolutely. kind of stalks them quite a
0: bit. But now and just supposedly. became, wow. Um... And you're also DJ and promoter for uh, Dawson Superstore's Pump, um, DJing at Power Brunch on a Sunday, yeah. which is Power Balance, yes. which is fabulous. Really it sounds good like something where I actually need to do. you um, used to in a pop from at Popstars. Yes,
1: that was my first London gig back in 2001.
0: I mean, <laughs> happy, happy times. Yeah. Um, and you have residences all over the place, Think the Pink, um, Camp Attack, yeah. and many, many more, but we'll touch on all those. But before we get to Banahan Rama and En Vogue and all the exciting <laughs> stuff, I have to know about you. Okay. So, Theo, if you don't mind telling us, I know it's not the right thing to ask a lady's age, but how old are you? I'm
1: 41 and I've, I'm never bothered about telling people my age. No. Good. I think it, it doesn't matter. I think, you know. As long as you're just making your life the best as you can, is now whether you're 21, 31, 41, 51? Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure when I get to 60, if I get to 60, I might be a bit bothered that I'm that age by then, but 41, I'm not bothered. Do you
0: think you'll still be de- DJing at 61?
1: Um, I would love to be, yeah. yeah. I mean, I doubt I'll be doing it to the level that I am now, but um, I definitely still want to be playing records, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's all
0: I've wanted to do, so. So, tell us, uh, where, where did life begin for you? Let's go back to the very beginning.
1: Life began in Milton Keynes. I was born oh. in Milton Keynes. I'm kind of like first generation from there. Um, and I loved the place in terms of how it looked. Everything was like clean and straight lines. And I love the city. And That's probably why I love city lights so much, because Milton Keynes is overrun with them. Yes. Um,
0: yes, 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 yes
1: but it wasn't very gay friendly back in the 80s and 90s really it still had that small town mentality so i always was ready to to move away mm-hmm. and i wanted to move either to london or to brighton because i knew i could be openly gay in either place sure. and i used to work for a record store called sam Goody, which was an american chain that had like branches in the uk maybe about 20 25 branches and HMV opened in Milton Keynes Shopping Centre, and once they opened, it kind of really took a real chunk of our trade away. Uh, I mean, up right. up closing down, so I was made redundant. And at the time, um, I'd finished my A levels, and my friends, those who had gone to university, went to university in Northampton, which is literally twenty miles away from Milton oh, Keynes. Yeah, yeah. So I started going out in Northampton, going to their student nights, paying one pound for a pint. And uh, then were the days, yeah, indeed. <laughs> and. Uh, They had obviously, they had like a Virgin and a HMV in Northampton, and I applied for a job in Virgin Northampton just to get away from Milton Keynes. And it was like kind of like starting a whole new life in a way, getting away from the people that would still call me names or whatever. I mean, I had that severely throughout school, but not so much in secondary school. There was only one group of lads who still carried on. But I was just glad to get away from that and it was literally like starting fresh. Nobody knew that I'd been picked on at school. Uh And I kind of, I pretty much didn't shout about my sexuality either. So most people did presume I was straight because I was kind of holding back the more effeminate, flouncy campsite myself. Um, But then, yeah, um, I lived there for like a year and a half and then they were launching a new store in Piccadilly, Virgin Maker Stores. So I used that as a way to get into London to transfer. Oh, you and worked then, there, right? Yeah, okay. So I love Virgin.
0: Yeah,
1: and then yeah, came to London in uh, summer '99. I
0: know. Mean, I'm not going to say that's not that long. Ago. In my mind, I took it. '99 It's not, but it. it sorry, yeah, my old. I mean, bro- yeah, it's, it's my
1: 20th anniversary in. Wow. I think end of July. I think it was
0: 31st of July '99. I came to oh, London. Congratulations on thank two thank decades. <laughs> um, I still love it. I love London. Yeah. Um, just going back again to so school. Yeah. Um, were, you, were you quite academic? Or...
1: Yeah, I was. I was quite swassy. But at the same time, I, my school reports would always say, Neil um, is easily distracted and likes to distract others. So, uh-huh. and it's very true. I have a short attention span. I'm always distracted by whatever else is going on, apart from what I'm meant to be concentrating on. <laughs> Mind you, I guess when I'm DJing, I'm concentrating on what I'm doing. But I'm very sure. easily distracted. I always have been. And for me, like because I guess school came quite easy to me academically it obviously isn't as easy for other students but because of that I kind of I would get bored easily and I just just want things to be fun and to do something entertaining so Uh I just try and be a bit of a joker so I think I wound a lot of my teachers up (laughs) (laughs) okay but I did quite well
0: yeah Um, and at what point during school did music pop music become a uh, one of your distractions
1: it was always there from day one to be honest with you uh, my mum she she didn't work part time until me and my sister were a bit older so she would always have the radio on before we went to school radio two so I grew up with Ken Bruce and Woken on breakfast same same Yeah. and uh, my dad was a taxi driver so he'd always have the radio on in his car um, my parents had like a record collection when I was very young I was a bit naughty and I would scratch the records that I didn't like <laughs> no way I didn't do it lows, but I did it, to, I did it to a few oh, 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 records no. and then they locked the record cabinet so I couldn't get to them what more. were the
0: records you were scratching? I, I
1: scratched the Animals, the House of the Rising Sun I mean fair enough actually yeah I'm not a big fan of that record still um, what else? Abba's Greatest Hits I loved Ooh. I scratched Fernando the last track because so I didn't like it <laughs> so bad but I think it was literally specifically one track. Yeah, just brilliant. that track. Um, <laughs> wow! I wasn't I that know. bad a child, really. <laughs> I think that but those are just a couple of isolated incidents. Have you replaced these records for your parents since? No, but I think <laughs> that, they've got them on CD now. And sure. What have you anyway? I'm sure. Um, but yeah, music was always on in the house. Like we all watched Top of the Pops together. So, uh-huh. I, I, and my sister was really into music, and she's four years older than me. So I got into music super early. Yeah, that's how it all started and just, I don't know like I, music really is my life like whatever I'm doing I always have music on yeah like I, I can't if I'm, if I'm watching TV I can't do something at the same time I have to concentrate on that but anything else emails writing things whatever
0: I can have music on all the time do you ever get could you ever get to a point where you just go no more music is there ever a day or a no it's never never never. that's
1: interesting i'll I'll always choose music to suit my mood so
0: like if it's a particularly sunny day like today
1: then i'll put particularly sunny tunes on if it's late at night i listen to the more relaxing stuff um
0: what would be a sunny tune a day something
1: like always there by incognito and jocelyn brown that's uplifting or sybil the love i lost came on my itunes today
0: Oh, I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness! So, were you music? Did you did you study music? No, the way
1: it works at school was we would do a tiny bit in Milton Keynes in Buckinghamshire. I don't know if it's all the same, but you would have you wouldn't have just primary school, secondary school. They had primary school, middle school, and secondary school. Yeah. You would have three. <laughs> so, um, in primary school, you would have like yeah, kind of like music muckabouts that you'd you know nothing nothing um, too for long. Middle school, I think we barely did anything, music-wise. Right. Um, and then secondary school, you, had like, you did a module for, like, I think, four weeks or something. And it was obviously what I was really into. I used to write songs as well. I used to, in the early 90s, I was really into my, my R&B. And right. I liked like Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey. So I'd write big, soppy, sweeping ballads with my sister's friend, Teresa. Um, and so I got a keyboard when I was 14, I think. And that was before we I did see. our music module at school. Right. But we couldn't do music as, like, a GCSE. We couldn't do, you know... There was drama, oh, really? yeah, but there wasn't music. And that really frustrated me,
0: but, you know... it's a it, got it wasn't... An option. Well, life could have taken another turn if that happened.
1: Yeah, long. I do think, like, I could have... I mean, I carried on songwriting with Teresa for a few years, and then when I finished school, finished my A-levels, yes. and then I moved away to Northampton, and she'd, she'd moved away from Milton Keynes by then as well. And... Um, yeah, I've often thought I've, I could have gone down the songwriter route but you can earn big money from being a songwriter if you're successful. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's never too late to start. Um, I mean, I'd love to do remixes, for example. I love be, anything where I can be creative. I was going to say that's... But I haven't actually got the time to do it at the moment so there
0: might be something I'll come to later, maybe. Wow. So, so as a songwriter, mm-hmm. uh, so perhaps somebody who we don't know or the, uh, uh, the, the common man or woman would not necessarily know, who do you rate as a songwriter outside of the, 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 the stars themselves writing the songs?
1: Um, back in the early 90s when I was into it and All My Soul and R&B, there were people like Babyface who had produced like Tony Braxton, Whitney Houston, I loved David Foster Productions, um, he did like a lot of soundtrack stuff like St. Elmo's Fire soundtrack. Right, okay. um, he produced Chicago, all of their ballads. Okay. Um, yeah, I often tend to more concentrate more on the actual stars themselves, but I guess, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I love Pet Shop Boys, and obviously they write all their own stuff. I think they've yeah. got a real good way of talking about London a lot. Same with Everything But The Girl as well. I love Everything oh, But The Girl, Tracy Thorne. Um, Tracy uh, Thorne album. Yeah, I love Tracy That's, Thorne. Stuff, stuff, too. I loved her, not her first, she did uh, super early album, didn't she? Solo album, like 82 or something. Yeah, yeah. But then her first solo album after Everything But The Girl kind of fizzled about... Uh, out of the Woods, I absolutely adore that album. It's,
0: it's, I haven't even heard. Oh, you have that. to get it. No, it's okay. amazing.
1: It's absolutely brilliant. I think it was 2005, maybe 2006. No, no, no. Might be 2006. Oh, really, really? And it's very electronic, but with some ballads in there as well. And then after that, she did a song, an album called Love and Its Opposite, which is a bit more roots acoustic. And it's okay, but nothing stands out so much. And then she bought out Record last year, which yeah. is brilliant. Out of the Woods is very much more in the vein of
0: record. Okay, oh okay, see I've missed that somehow along the line. Okay. You only just go to go in all right. Right. Okay. the um, We're jumping all over the place, but that is the nature <laughs> of this is the way it's going to be today. Um, so, the big question, when did you first kind of become aware of being a gay person, human, um, and did it have anything to do with pop music? Uh, <laughs> pop music, all the way through.
1: Um, I mean, for anyone like observing me, it was blatant that I was gay from day one. I was super, super camp as a child, um, dancing and singing all the time. I used to love Banana Rama and Mel Kim. I used to learn all their dance routines. Going to the school playground, dance them for anyone who would watch on Amazing. demand, on tables. Amazing. Half the time, it's like you know to entertain, but people would do it also to take the piss out of me, really. But I didn't. That just went over my head, and I just did it anyway, and loved loved that, and just was in that moment. Um, Rising above him. With, yeah. with pop dance. Brilliant, love it, yes. I just let it go over my head. I mean, it does obviously like affect you in later life before you realise, and it, it does affect how you are about certain things. But I kind of was taught by my mum to ignore it everything, and everything, to not fight back. And in some ways I wish I'd just stood up for myself more but in other ways it, I was very good at letting it go over my head and not letting it affect me or get me down. It's not like I came home and I cried all the time because yeah. it had been a bad yeah, day at yeah. school. I just came home and carried on dancing. <laughs> hey, music, yeah. yeah. So um, just threw myself into that. But I guess I did have girlfriends for a while okay. because, I mean, Teresa, the girl who I wrote songs with, she worked at the local Christian centre and my sister's always worked with children she's like a nursery nurse and she worked at the local Christian centre not because she was a Christian but just because there was a job there Yeah. and Teresa was put in charge of doing a gospel choir there so I actually got involved with the gospel choir for a couple of years not that I can sing that well but um so I did go to church for a this couple of years Mariah <laughs> and Whitney <which> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well Mariah and um, Whitney was always there from the start because she was so pop as well from the you know how will I know and I want to dance somebody I absolutely adore yeah um yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I denied being gay for a while and didn't want to be gay for a while and was going to church for a couple of years. And then, I guess it was when I moved... I had to move away from Milton Keynes to mm-hmm. embrace it properly. I could never have come out in Milton Keynes because I was picked on enough to, to not want to ever admit it, even though it was blatant. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so I moved to Northampton and then would come out one by one to individual friends and started, like, sleeping oh, with men and all okay. So it
0: was in bits and spurts, so yeah. to speak, rather than... Um, yeah, I kind
1: of denied it. And then I think the first time I had to proper snog with a guy was around the back of this indie club called Happy Wednesdays in Milton King's, Because when I first started going clubbing in the mid-90s, I love all music, and it was during the whole brick book thing. And all of my student friends, all, all the type of people who would pick on me would go to like the ritzy, cheesy dance one which I would have liked to have gone to as well yeah, Sure, it was called Flamingos in Milton Keynes. Fabulous. Kings Flamingos by the Argos <laughs> and, uh, and then all the kind of more oddballs and the, the people who aren't quite within that clique would go to Happy Wednesdays and dance to like Blur and sure. Oasis and Suede and Sleeper and Elastica uh-huh. and all that stuff um, and I snod to this guy around the back of there and I think that was 97 so I was like 1920 so I was quite late
0: before I started to embrace yeah. it to actually take action yeah. Wow. I wow. mean, I think a lot of people would say that it's not necessarily... I don't know. A lot of people I've spoken to have said that their first snog was probably not necessarily in in a gay space, in a gay bar. I mean, yeah. The more people I talk to, the more I realise that that's a happening. Um, so, oh my goodness, I'm not going to jump there yet. I've got, <laughs> I've got written down Bananarama. Yes. But I Woo. want to build up to that moment. <laughs>
1: um...
0: So what? I mean, this is a very difficult question to answer, but what? Why do you think you are so switched on to pop music? What? what, you know, even from from way back. I mean, obviously, you said you were listening to your uh, to the radio and your parents records, but why why did you kind of then continue to, to, to cling to it? I don't know really I think it's just what, what comes naturally to me yeah <coughs> sorry
1: I think yeah it's just it was always there I loved listening to music playing music I loved buying records I always wanted to buy records and have records bought for me and you know I, I used to make up my own radio shows and do them to myself pretending I was on the radio mm-hmm. in, in the living room and in my bedroom just all, all that kind of stuff was just what I felt like doing so I did it and I guess that's just why... Uh, you know, I, ne- I never dreamed yeah, I would be a full-time DJ. I thought I'd always have to at least have a part-time job. But it just got to the point where the DJing was picking up more and more. And at one point, I was working five days and five nights a week. Oh, god! I know, crazy. But because it happened gradually, it didn't feel as severe as that. But it did get to a breaking point. And then I tried to go down to four days a week in my day job. I was working on That's Life magazine I mean, like, as their editorial assistant. Boring, just so, like, uh, I, used to, I used to do accounts because I used to do skipping about a bit yeah here, no sorry. no go on when i was in virgin northampton i used to do the cash office and the singles department because it was a smaller store you had to have time to do both when i moved to london i stuck with singles because i, I could either do one or the other and i thought doing a cash office for like a big store with loads of till loads of mistakes, that's going to be no fun oh, no, no. so i ran the singles department back when singles sold uh, it's the only department which always outdid my targets uh, <laughs> congratulations because i would never go on the till i used to get told off because i would just ignore the till and like look after my section all the time. <laughs>
0: Anyway, um, I was digressing there, where was I going to? No, but just about the amount of time that you, so you'd gone down to four days and then...
1: That's right, so what happened is you don't really own that much money from retail in London unless you move up to management level. That was going to be really difficult for in the London branch. So there was this guy that used to come into the store all the time He used to buy new releases for his friends in Australia that I would recommend stuff to. And he was like, well if you used to do the cash office, why don't you try and get an accounts job? And I thought, it's probably not gonna be much fun. But he said, just go to an accounts agency, see what you can see if you can get something. And I got a job doing the purchase ledger accounts for that's Life magazine. And then after doing that for a couple of years, a job came up being the editorial assistant on the magazine, which paid more. So yeah. I literally took the job because it paid more and the DJing was just trickling through at that time. Okay. That was when I was doing pop Popstars, my first started there in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, it just got to the point where I had to go part time. And then I went to another magazine okay. and that was then made redundant, like after three months because they were closing the magazine, it's so like a smaller, cheaper version, that's life I that didn't last. Okay. But at the same time, that's when I got my job DJing for Camp Attack, which at the time was the at the Astoria oh, yes, of course. and then it kind of replaced that part-time job and I was like I was earning almost the same like literally like 25 quid a week less so I thought I'm gonna see if I can get away with it and that was uh, 12 years ago wow and then it's grown and grown and grown yeah so now. I think the longer you do it as long as you're good at what you do then you just you get known by more people and yeah, yeah it's always a, you know you build your your contacts and it all just of kind of comes
0: together. I mean your yeah. reputation is is wide and varied yeah. in London and probably well actually and elsewhere where's been where's been the most exciting place for you outside of London or the UK actually outside of the UK because I know you've been
1: around the world you've been, no, yeah. Yeah. exactly exactly. <laughs> thank you
0: um, um I got to DJ at
1: Love International Festival in Croatia a couple of years ago okay I've never uh, been to Croatia so I don't it's lovely it's beautiful right. and it's still fairly cheap as well yeah, yeah. it's definitely a nice place wow. to go to um, this festival is very disco, disco house, like a bit of tech house, but nothing too banging. It's, it's very much a, a, a very loved-up festival. Mm-hmm. It's not like full of like ravers spinning all over the place, getting into trouble. Sure. Um, it's full of friendly ravers, let's say. <laughs> and yeah, my, my friend's friend is behind the festival. And I got to do de- it. It's lovely to DJ outside because you don't get to do that very much in the UK because of our unpredictable weather. So getting to play outside, like in hot sunshine, like oh, okay. in Croatia, that was that was a very nice experience. Yeah. And you know, I can kind of change my set compared to, you know, I would gear my set around what is my surroundings yeah, you know what? are. So what I played there was a completely different set to what I played at like, Camp Tank. It was a bit very much more, like a Balearic, sunny, happy, I, I don't know, I was playing things like, um, do you remember, Alcinate did a song called New Kind of Medicine? Oh. I love yeah, that. Be, be that optional, so. Yeah. so I was playing like stuff that was just kind of like a bit of 90s house, but not the banging stuff. The more kind of floaty, summery, mm-hmm. outdoorsy
0: mm-hmm. feel. Yeah, it was a great, a great gig to do. So, oh my goodness. Every time you mention something else and you mention alternata, <laughs> you throw my head into a spin of memories. Um, and by the way, listeners, if you haven't, you can stop and go back and find this then come back to us and continue because you should stop and listen yeah. to every recommendation that comes through this <laughs> night mouth. but my god that's a fabulous song um, so yes let's just jump in what was your first record first record that you bought Either the first record that yeah. I bought
1: money. well I can't actually remember what the first single I bought was because yes. we always had singles bought for us me and my sister for a while um, we would <laughs> we would go to the local co-op and get the ex-jukebox records that were like I think it was Sí, in the early 80s they were like 55p and then 60p but my mum my mum stopped letting us have them when they went up to 72p but then shortly after we started getting pocket money and then all my pocket money ever went on was records yeah. all the time I mean I remember buying Jermaine Street where don't have to take our clothes off which my mum refused to buy for me because she didn't agree with the lyrical content but I would argue but mum he's actually saying you don't have to take your clothes off
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> I guess actually yes it was in it was quite a Christian message my
1: mum was funny about things like that she yeah. was like if, if, if there was something she wasn't meant to approve of then she wouldn't oh, no, approve no, of it so she wouldn't let me and my sister watch Grange Hill but we were allowed to watch Kenny Everett <laughs> which explains a lot as well <laughs> this again this is up to a point my sister's four years older than me so we just eventually just watched it anyway um but, um, so, were you
0: picking up on uh, things that your sister was listening to as well? I mean, did you have. Yeah, I
1: mean, uh, we always. My sister,
0: spread. she's eight years younger than me, and she, and she openly admits to standing outside my bedroom and listening. And as soon as I'd come to the door, she'd hide under a table in the hallway.
1: Well, for a long time, we only had the one record player in the living room, so we would have to share, me and my oh, okay. sister. So, we would have records bought for her or for me. Yeah. But we would, you know, we would listen to them together most of the time. And then <laughs> as you get a bit older, you get your own taste. Yeah. I mean, I remember yeah. I, I went to Boots with my mum yeah, in sure like autumn '86 and I had some money to choose a single and I couldn't make my mind up and my mum suggested maybe walk like an Egyptian by the bangles or living on a prayer Bon Jovi I remember being transfixed by the sleeve of man-to-man meets man-parish male stripper oh. because there was this buff man with basically his pubes on the show and yes. I was like eight years old me was just like eyes of God uh-huh but I chose, I it. It I chose Mel and Kim showing out, and the reason I chose it was because my sister didn't like it. That's the only reason why I bought the record. <laughs> but I then grew to love it, and then became Mel and Kim's biggest fan by the time Respectable came out. And like for a year, I was, Mel and Kim were everything, and I learned all the dance routines, and I sang all the songs, and I listened to the album on repeat. Um, but yeah, the first I can't remember the first single I bought with my own money, but the first single that was bought for me it was in 1979 when I was just two years old oh right
0: my goodness and it
1: was Viola Will's Gonna Get Along Without You Now oh god this yeah. amazing cheesy oh, disco record favorite. and apparently it was bought for me because whenever it came on the radio yeah. I'd react and I'd start yeah, yeah. moving and I said to my mum that was <laughs> the first song yeah. I was gay <laughs> absolutely
0: yeah. two years old god yes of all the records yeah. that's brilliant but my first
1: album that I bought with my own money <laughs> yes. I do remember and it was now That's, that's why I've Music Volume 5 which was out in Summer 85 it was on 5 giving me some 5 was A View to a Kill Duran Duran Slave's Love Brian Ferry Frankie Sister Sledge
0: Feel So Real Steve Arrington uh, Walking on Sunshine Tune in the Waves Does anyone remember Feel So Real Steve Arrington Oh it's great Check that out If you haven't Then you must
1: And his other single Dancing in the Key of Life Which is on Hits 3 (laughs) <laughs> I know my hits and my nows
0: <laughs> have you got every no you must have stopped nows or something. I still get every now and do now. you yeah
1: because because I do like a lot of um, sometimes commercial parties I need to have like all the latest hits too and I, I mean I do get most of the hits now but there'll be the odd one which I wouldn't necessarily want to pay for which will go on a now and then I have sure. it for, necess- for weddings or whatever um but yeah, now five. I remember seeing it, going to my grandma's down in Broadstairs and seeing it advertised on TV and that was like no, August 85 and my birthday, right. September. So with my eighth birthday money, I bought now five and then every now onwards, I'd always prioritise. But my mum, I mean, they were like 7 pounds 8 49 and a lot of time I had to practically beg my mum to buy them till they were too expensive or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I did somehow get everyone from then onwards and then got the ones before that later.
0: I got the first one. The first one Christmas. I think is still the best one. The best uh, yeah, one. yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Culture Club, UB4C yeah. just yeah. Will just Powers don't...
1: Kissing with Confidence.
0: Kissing with confidence. <laughs> there we go, another one to go back to. You get the Will Powers
1: album, it's insane, it's great. No so I it. so what's it's the called Dancing for Mental Health. And it's done as a comedy oh, yeah. self help album. And there's all these characters that just kind of tell their life story and Will Powers
0: gives advice. It's really fun. That they, yes, yes, okay. I've never heard the album, I knew the title. <laughs> Fabulous. OK, so your first live music experience, whether it's somebody lip syncing or just seeing a pop star on a stage.
1: Well, my first gig that I went to was Bucks Fizz at Margate Winter Gardens in also summer 85. Uh, my sister was a massive Bucks Fizz fan. She bought every single, had the greatest hits, had all the albums. And so and they were a great pop band, so I by to liked them too. And we'd gone to visit my grandma in Broadstairs and then my mum and dad kind of wanted a bit of time to themselves. They dumped me and my sister with my grandma to go and see Buck's Fizz together. Oh. <laughs> and our grandma wouldn't it's let us go cool. down to the front to get our programmes <laughs> on.
0: But I believe you've since encountered Buck's Fizz up close and personal. I have, yeah. Um, they do
1: gigs at the RVT once a year and so I get to DJ before them, which is great. So I've met them briefly. Yeah. And it's great that Jay's back in the band as well. It's, it's a real shame that Bobby, the new Bobby, Bobby McVeigh, Bobby McVeigh or Bobby McVeigh, here, yes. he's now had to step away yeah. again because it kind of seemed to all come together again. Mm. I think Bucksville is yeah. one of those bands, it, nothing seems to go quite right for them. There's always something that happens. There's always the illness or an accident yeah. or. Yeah. yeah. But Jay
0: Aston's Aston it. A Hero, she is, yeah, I mean, she's brilliant. Yeah, I want to sit down with her one day, yeah. She should be up for it, I reckon, as well. Okay, well, let's figure that out. I'll see if I can put you in touch. <laughs> yes, please do. Okay, <laughs> um, so from being, yeah, from you, were, when you were a small boy, and these people started to make mean something to you, these pop stars, yeah, he who's who's stuck with you, people. Who still to this day They're from really you. Nice yeah, who I still mean the same you. or more oh, all of them yeah. really. <laughs> <laughs> so you take them I with mean, you.
1: The first, the fa- yeah, the first group I was really into was ABBA, and that's because my mum and dad had all the ABBA albums. They're very much the family band, weren't they? Yeah. Most families yeah. of that yeah. era had the ABBA albums yeah. and um, great yeah. pop records. Oh, so yeah. they were my first favorite band. And then after that, the first band I chose myself to like without anyone else's influence was AHA.
0: Yeah. of the back I'm of Take On Me yeah, and
1: Son of on okay, TV. Yeah. Another Scandinavian bands, just great pop music. Yeah. And then it was Mel and Kim, and then it was Banana Rama, then it was Sonia <laughs> I was a massive Stock Akin Warman fan, <laughs> 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 basically. I, I was getting yeah, yeah, that impression. And then I loved MC Hammer as well when he was big. And then after <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> 1990, 91. And then I think after that, I never really specifically was like, this is my favourite band, this is my favourite act. I didn't really have one. Um, I mean, I'd say now Petrol Boys, Everything with a Girl, are up there. Sisters, Banana Armour, it's, it's very much 80s. Um, in terms of modern stuff, I love Kylie Ray Jepsen. I think she does great pop music. Yeah, never quite crosses over enough, doesn't have that many big hits. I love Little Mix, I think they're the
0: best things happened to pop music in the last five years. That's what I was going to say to you. So, in the vein of um, Banana Armour, pointers everyone, that, who, so you'd say Little Mix, so though, who are the current if you were, if you were, you if you were. Yeah. Probably. Ten now. Yeah. Our Little Mix will probably be. Empty. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you were you now, you are you now. <laughs> <laughs> if I was that age, me. Yes. Now. <laughs> okay. Um, and anyone else that you any so last year, for instance, any other than Little Mix, really nice, any albums that yeah, you that have the Tracy Thorne album I Tracy is a great album fabulous I love um, Troy Bands album that came out okay yeah. it's really really good I have to admit I have not listened to it because I just read so much about it it was so overhyped and never really everybody see
1: really I don't really read it. a lot of music press like I mean I used to follow Pop Justice but it seems to have just fizzled out now in terms yeah, of it's news reporting yeah. The Official Charts Company, they still do a lot of chart reporting, music reporting. Um, but I don't really read a lot of current music press. So, And I've never been someone who's swayed by music press either. Like I, I have no shame admitting uh, loving what I love, whether it's cheesy or whether it's credible. I always say to people, my, my taste in music is broad and I love really credible music and I love really shit music. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you love it, and it as long as it's got touches. a strong
1: hook, as long as it's you know it's got like a good vibe to it, it's like, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I like really depressing music as well as really happy music.
0: So whilst we're on Stockgate from Waterman and that well, so Banana Rama, <laughs> my goodness. So how the goodness sakes did you end up being know, their opening act? <laughs>
1: I still can't actually believe it happened. When I look back it's ridiculous. at it, it is crazy.
0: Um, like I say,
1: like, my f- when I was 10, like 87, 88, after Mel and Kim, they were my favourite band, like if you ask anyone I went to school with during that period, what, what was Neil's favourite music, they'd be like, Rama. <laughs> right. Um, so everyone knew it. And then I do think if you, if you love something passionately that much, that it does eventually become part of your life some way down the line. And, um, I, I basically I know their manager Peter, Peter, as uh, I said, Peter Robertson, Peter Lorraine, oh, and um,
0: yeah. when just socially through yeah, just work and just through project.
1: just through the shared love of music really. I can't remember how I first met him. Like I probably first met him in Pop Stars or somewhere. Right. Yeah. Um, I I DJed for his birthday, one of his big birthdays, a few years ago. I guess that's when I first met him properly, but we kind of were aware of each other just through the same mutual love of the yeah, same music. Sure. And then um, yeah. carried on, we, we've kept in touch, and you know, he's just chatting online or whatever about various bits and doings. And then when Banana Rama did that whole teasing campaign with the three, like um, the fruit machine of three bananas, and it's like, oh my God, Chabon's like joining them.
0: Yeah. Which everyone
1: Banana Rama fans <laughs> dream, <laughs> yeah. it's like we never thought this ever actually happened. I was just screaming the place down there. I was just like, please tell me they're going to do this, please tell me they're going to do that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And then it got to literally, I think it was about six weeks before the tour started. It was that late in the day. Uh, I think I, I just texted him saying, please tell me that like on the final, final date of the tour, after they do their encore, French and Saunders will then come on with Kathy Burke and reprise Lala Nini uh, and they'll yeah, do Help yes. Together, just yes. on the very last one. And he rang me up and he was like, so many people have said that to him so many people have said this about you know all the French and Saunders sketches and how accurate they are in some oh, yeah. respects uh-huh.
0: um, and then he
1: said they're not going to have a support band they're thinking about having a support DJ would you be like interested
0: Which <laughs> you melted into the
1: cry. Yeah. I was just literally like said I will cancel everything and he's like it's not definitely we don't know it'll be blah 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 yeah. and it's working with um, I think AEG with the Reuters right I've got that right. I think it was ADG. So working with them. And yeah, then they just said, yeah, you can do it. And I was just like, can't, I still can't believe it actually happened. It's, it's really weird. And the actual doing it, the actual going and DJing on a stage in front of an auditorium of people sat down. And some of them are grooving away. And a couple would stand up and dance. But it's a very weird experience. It's very different to what you're used yeah, to. You're used to playing in a club and everyone's up and dancing. And instead, you've got people staring at you and you don't know what they're thinking. And a lot of them look like they, they don't really approve or that they're just like bored or whatever. But then afterwards, you will have people, you know, almost every gig, I'd have someone come up to me he would recognize me from the stage and say, oh my God, we love what you were playing. But I just had to wing it on the stage. I, I would just dance like a bit of a maniac because I couldn't just stand there. Like, I mean, in a club, I'm quite, I may dance a little bit depending on what I'm playing or how much I've had to drink. But yeah, of course. I'm not someone who really goes crazy behind the decks. But for this, I was like, I have to do something to like, I can't just stand and there and the press play. Play. Yeah. And I had to use the mic every now and then, which I'm not, I prefer not to use a mic, but it wasn't just to gee the crowd up a bit. And you know, you just have to say like, are you ready for banana wine? And then it'll scream. Yeah, so it just, yeah, yeah. it warms them up, you know? It, it was a really fun experience. And I got to meet obviously the girls properly, which was just like a dream. And
0: it's, So what was the track that you'd play? For, probably changed. Yeah like for instance what would you play before they were ready the last track you would play before yeah. their set
1: well the way it works is that i would do like a 45 minute set and then there'd be like a half hour break before they came on okay. and then there would, there would be some music playing but more of a background level which banana rama had chosen themselves okay and the music they wanted i could have gone down the route of playing like real massive 80s pop anthems but just not banana rama and i think in some ways that would have got the crowd up on their feet more but banana armor wanted me to go down the more kind of like soul disco groove late 70s early 80s which I love as well yeah so kind of the more credible end of the the pop spectrum okay, so I was playing things like Shaka Khan and Womack and Womack um, Shannon that kind of stuff that kind of stuff okay uh, Prince um so yeah I was doing that kind of stuff and I quite often I'd end on Whitney Love Will Save the Day because I always like to end on a song that has an ending rather than a fade uh-huh. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
1: yeah, but I would change the set each time. I couldn't just do the same set for uh, twenty-two dates in the end. Wow! Yeah, that's
0: crazy That's just, i mean, it just uh, to to have that experience, to be with somebody that you, as a child, had been yeah. so obsessed. Yeah, 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 totally. To have that. It's, it still doesn't feel real. Um, I got to do it in you, New York as well, you, actually they we did it in New York they did four yeah. dates in the oh, US okay
1: and we do uh, the club night like I do r and She, also happens in New York like once every couple of sure. months yeah. and so we timed it so it could be the same weekend because I said to David who's one third of r and She, who has since moved to LA but does the r and She party in New York um, sorry. Wow. <laughs> no, that's a lot um, of life. I said, let's go and see Banana Armor together. I would gladly come over to New York and that, but then we can time R and She in then. So yeah, I got to DJ in New York as well. Um, the good thing about the New York gig actually was that the crowd were standing up. Originally it was going to be seated, but then they had them all standing up in the end. So everyone was on their feet. And I think they should, I guess they couldn't do it in all of the auditoriums that they'd chosen in, yeah. in the UK. What was great at those um, UK gigs though was that Banana Armor when they were on stage for their whole gig, the whole auditorium stood up for the whole gig. It wasn't sit down, stand up, have a dance, sit down. People were just on their feet the whole time. It was a real, Which, just a real pop party.
0: No, yeah. not at all. I, soft sell. I was really disappointed. I thought everybody's gonna be there and with it the whole time and there were just moments where People didn't know it as well, so they kind of sit down and get yeah, on their phone. And they're like, yeah, Does doesn't matter. That. And yeah, that Enjoyed annoys me. Duo. But anyway, well, that's good to hear. That. Banana fans So I, I couldn't go because no. I was touring, and and literally it just clashed with. Oh, and there's just no way I could do anything about it. So I missed the whole experience. Well, they're going
1: to tour again this year, but as a duo, it's not quite the same. <laughs> Everyone I mean, still, wants the trio. You but know, you've got to have
0: the full pack. Yeah. Um, and you got to meet them and yeah. how and, and how were they? They were lovely
1: to me. Pleasant and yeah.
0: they lived they're, up to their your expectations. Yes.
1: Yeah. They were polite and everything and like I mean they've always had such a reputation of being such heavy drinkers. And I think I, mean, I think Sarah drinks a bit more conservatively now, but Karen and uh, Siobhan still love a drink. And um it was Yeah, I mean, I didn't get to, like, chat loads with them. I'd be in the same room and have, like, a little exchange. I'd see them sometimes, you know, in catering, like, early Mm -hmm. on beforehand, and we'd have chats about stuff. And it was... I was quite good at not being too fangirly. I was never, like, stumped. But I never really kind of... I never really was chummy-chummy with them, if that makes sense. It wasn't like I got to know them as mates. It was still very much, I felt like I was speaking to banana Bananarama. Um, but yeah they were lovely to me
0: which in a way I suppose is probably better because if it had become too would the dream have melted a little bit if you yeah, were to yeah they all say never meet your heroes yeah. or whatever. I don't know I, I'm but glad they I got were to, glad to meet they were, them. They were nice people as well.
1: I mean they did the um, the Hyde Park summer series last year and I got to hang around with them a lot backstage then mm. and that was yeah just fun drinking chatting about this that and the other mm-hmm. um, so I mean me and Siobhan occasionally exchange words through Instagram, and I've got Karen's phone number. <laughs> oh, I know, my which is crazy. God. But I'm, uh, you know, I'm, it's not like I'm like I'm going to text. I'm going to say this. You yeah. know, I don't, I, I don't bother her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm
1: sure our paths will cross again at some point, doing something.
0: Well, I mean, you know, another ten years, they'll be back out on the road, won't they? As a threesome, well, I think it's their um, eighty-one would be their...
1: So 21 will be their 40th anniversary. So maybe they could do it again oh, for God. that.
0: That's frightening. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Jesus. So, So, favourite <laughs> uh, three Bananarama tracks? Yes, I was asked best. this for the um, uh, Unflocked podcast. Um, oh, of course. It's... I can't remember what you said.
1: <laughs> no, I know. I mean, I love Love, Truth and Honesty as one of kind of like lesser known great ones. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love um, I Heard a Rumour as well. That was that was the high point mm-hmm. of the of the live show for me. It's kind of when the live show really took off mm-hmm. um, and the dance routine involved. <laughs> I was doing all my routines again. Because um,
0: there was one song that you discussed with the on-flop boys that they were considering that they wanted to do and then they took out the set and then people got annoyed and they put it back in. Was oh, that, that was um, Trick of the Night. That was it? Yeah. Which I think is
1: probably my favourite well at the time it was their, their favourite track from that album I mean yeah um, I love I mean if we went onto album tracks as opposed to singles I love Once in a Lifetime from the Wow album it's uh-huh. like the Ballad at the uh-huh.
0: End it's really great um, yeah give, give give us one that is hidden away squirreled away somewhere in an album that people might not necessarily have
1: Well, I guess their 93 album, Please Yourself, which I think even the girls agree isn't their best work, but I still really do like it. And there's a track on there called Is She Good To You, which should have been a single. It was planned to be the fourth single, but because they weren't selling as much by then, it was kind of abandoned. So I would really recommend that. And Ain't No Cure is a Stock, ache, and Warm Reduction, but it's on their pop life album when they'd kind of left them and worked with youth more. Um, That's a great one too. Um, And also from Drama, the album, when they came back in like 2005, quite dancey, there's a track called I Love The Way, which is just a, it sounds a bit like, um,
0: what's it called? Um, Shapeshifters. Like I it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, Lola's. Yeah, Lola's yeah, L- the theme. Theme. Theme, theme. theme. It sounds so a bit like that, it's, it's that feel. Similar
1: kind of time. Yeah, there's a
0: meeting Yeah, I think
1: the three singles I'll stick by and what I said on non-flopped, but they may change by the time next week. would be Robert De Niro's Waiting. Yeah, And,
0: You could leave them in there.
1: I Heard a Rumour and love Truth and Honesty. i Favourite three Kylie's? Singles? Mm-hmm. My favourite Kylie single is Get Out of My Way. I absolutely adore oh, it. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. like when, when she released that I'm like, can we have more of this please? Yes. I really, I'm not a fan of her latest work. I think the songs are there but I think the production is just novelty. I think it's really bad. And it's sold really well but she's working with BMG um, BMG something, I can't remember what they're called now. But they, they've got a really good Chakra could have like relaunching artists like they got Rick Assey's album to number one fifty. Yes, um, yes, yes I think yes. the songs were alright on Golden but I think yeah. the production is really yeah. naff so the country spin didn't yeah. do it for you no I mean when people like compare it to Dolly Parton I'm like Dolly Parton wouldn't shit on this album
0: <laughs> I mean in truth yeah
1: yeah but um yeah, Kylie singles. Then yeah, number one would be Get Out of My Way. Number two is Put Yourself in My Place. I absolutely oh, adore that, okay. and that okay. was my favourite up until yeah. Get Out of My Way. And then third, I might go for what kind of fool heard all that before? Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Yes. Obviously oh, not brilliant, not completely not less than massive ones. No, no, no. no,
1: no. I mean, I have the big wow. massive ones. What do I have to do? Is brilliant, of course. Oh yeah. I mean, I have the big obvious ones that a lot of people love, and I
0: would say that's no. definitely in my, in my top ten Kylies. So taking you back to so uh, Camp Attack, mm-hmm. um, which is so different from R&She. Yes. And I'm sure you enjoy both for very different reasons. Yeah. Um, R&She's more your yeah. thing. Yeah,
1: R&She was the Camp night that I together, started. Yeah. Because I was DJing a lot in East London, which I do because that's where I'm based, and at Dawson Superstore. And I just noticed, like, this was back in, when did we start? 2012, April 2012. Okay. And I just noticed that anytime time I dropped like, some old school R&B or hip-hop, people would go crazy. And I was like, we haven't really got a, a gay R&B hip-hop night in East London, so let's start one. And I just thought, the gay audience, they love their divas. So let's just make it all about the divas. Let's just do it as a niche thing. And it was never planned as, like, this is going to be a monthly thing. This was just like a one-off party at Vogue Fabrics. Oh really? Oh, it was yeah. so okay. And then it was just like the response we got was so immediate, like literally thirty people were posting their favorite tracks on the event wall. It was just like, oh, okay, this might be quite a thing. And so yeah, it just it was just instant, it just took off straight away. And then we moved it to a place called Tipsy down the road because we needed somewhere bigger. And then we moved it to Trapeze, which was a bit of a mistake because it's on like the straight strip of um, of uh, Great Eastern Street, uh-huh. and you just got a completely different. Uh, crowd in which weren't that gay friendly they weren't they weren't causing trouble but they were it was like there were two different crowds in the same spot and they weren't mixing so then we went to East Block which Uh then became Uh Sedition we're about to move back to Tipsy actually because Sedition has closed down
0: but yeah, like I just so you know, two thousand and twelve start okay yeah.
1: So we have we have we do our birthdays at Heaven because obviously I, I DJ at Heaven with Cam, Tank I have a connection. So when it's the Maybank holiday, we do our birthday party there, which is great because it's like fifteen hundred people. It's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really got into R&B and hip hop in the early nineties, um, partly through hanging around with Theresa who I wrote songs with because she was into the same music. And also because I, I really didn't want to be into dance music at that time, it had gone super ravey and that's what all the people who were nasty to me were into. So by default, I wanted to be in something different. Although I do love all that stuff now. I kind of got back into dance music in about 94. Actually, one of the tracks, "Corona," "Rhythm of the Night," when that came out, oh, okay. it was one of the songs that turned me back. Obviously, it's quite a cheesy one, but then you had like the massive anthems like "Original," "I Love You Baby." And you had like
0: um,
1: I don't know uh, mid '90s house. You'd have things like "Judy Cheeks" and oh god, yes, just all these massive, great anthems. There's a lot of soul and a lot of a, lot of a gospel feeling, away in the house music. Then there was a great big belting female vocal over the top.
0: Kathy yeah. Sledge. Yeah, Kathy Sledge, yeah. Yes, I love, I love Kathy Dennis as well. Kathy <laughs> Dennis. I mean, okay, favourite Kathy, Kathy Dennis song. Oh, Touch me, easily. There we go. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, there you Yeah, yeah.
1: Although, to be fair, I like pretty much all her songs. I would love her to come back and do like a one-off date, and I know that she could actually sell out like a shepherd's Bush Oh, yeah. I guess she doesn't need to, because she's made all that money from her songwriting, you know. But I think she really could like i'm begging like let's try and get her for the mighty Hooper
0: festival i think she's on the list but i don't know if she'll agree to do she's it she's too comfortable in having a exactly, you know, family life, life and i uh, mean i know <laughs> so this is actually brings me to something interesting so i love all the music you play B. but as a man of yeah, yeah. even though my 40 something they know that i turned 50 last year i get really they don't think that there's a hard I preempt it's intimidation the about going into so somewhere where that, I in my mind is a younger a than the audience. There are certain oh. places. I so think so if pop can still can exist, I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't feel like that yeah, be. angst. Right. But I have, and I have friends who are all over Hackney, Dalston area, didn't, didn't have in it. and are similar age, and have gone and said, "You're being silly," but. So I have this irrational, I'm too old. No, never too old. Never too old, never stop clubbing. That's what I say. I'm never
1: going to stop going out. And in that respect, I find Princess Julia is, is quite an inspirational person. Because she's still very much always finding what's going out, what, what's going on when going out, what bars to go to, what clubs to go to, and she's there. And it's like, you know, when I'm into my 50s, I'm definitely, if I'm not DJing in a club in a bar anymore, I'm still going to be going to them. Okay, that's, okay, there we go. That's all just need to hear from somebody on the <laughs> other <laughs> side. Do it's it. It's fine. I mean, I mean, when we started r and She, it was very much, it was like so our 90s, 90s and noughties R&B and hip hop. Um, yeah. You know, so the people that were going were very much 25 plus in a lot of people in their 30s. yeah. yeah. So you know the, there is still new stuff coming out. There's not as much as there was before, mm. but the clubbing age generally does stay around the same. And the, the people who are older go out less, or they tend to go to bars and pubs more than clubs. You know, it's just like a natural thing that's, that happens. But I wouldn't say we have an especially young crowd. Okay. But it is primarily 25 to 35. Well, let's say 25 to 40. I would say. To 40. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, doing somewhere like Campsite, Goy Camp Sack obviously historically has always been a very young crowd, and it is. You know, everyone is. Not everyone, but the vast majority of people are like 18 to 25. But I, because I've been DJing continually for so long, I never go in and I never feel old. I'm aware that I'm older than most of them, but I don't feel old. I think if you, if you keep a young outlook...
0: You know, no, it's ab- absolutely. absolutely, absolutely, that's it. It's just just continue to too. I mean, all my friends are, of well, my friends are in their 20s as well, so okay. I just need to stop being windrun. I'll just I'll come out and have fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And not just go to the pub, which becomes the lazy portion. Um, so if you were to go on a night out where you weren't working and it's just a free night, what's your, what's your dream evening into night? Um... I'd, I'd start with a good meal somewhere <laughs> like going out yep. for
1: dinner first so yeah we'll do that
0: um,
1: because I DJ pop a lot of time I kind of prefer having something a bit different like I do I will really appreciate like a good pop night but I'm also quite critical Sure, <laughs> and i would be like mm, they're not, their mixing's not so great or uh, a little bit judgmental I suppose just because I'm a real perfectionist and because I do it myself for so long um so I love I love going to horse disco I love disco and I don't I do get to play disco out sometimes at some gigs but not as a regular thing so I love going to horse I also love tech house like I do oh, love really okay. yeah I like I mean I, I go to Berlin we do R&G in Berlin uh-huh. and I go to Berghain and you know Ravings like techno and it's not it's not anything that I'd buy to listen to on the go or listen to at home but I enjoy clubbing to it as something experience. different it's just you know it's something completely different you've got a completely different vibe um, but upstairs in panorama bar it's more tech house and they touch on disco a bit okay. so it's a, it's a bit more vocal
0: um, I did read in an interview with you on I think it was a QX I found randomly and you, they asked you what your favourite time frame would have been to, to go back to when you talked about oh, yeah, Paradise Power Garage, Garage yeah, 79 for sure, 79 or 80 or yeah.
1: Paradise Garage ran from 79 to 87 and just that whole they still played a lot of disco but they played a lot of current American club stuff and also British club stuff as well right um, you know Larry Levan broke records um, and it,
0: you, from what
1: you, because there's so much that's been written about him and what was played i would have loved to have been an adult in that time and have gone to that club because it's very much where i would have chosen to go to if i lived in new york if, if i traveled there as well i would have definitely tried to go i mean you had to be a member or be a friend of a member to go but i would have made it my business to be able to go there i mean kind of you're,
0: you're, it's close because you're getting to dj in in a city that you want that you know was a dream you know that's that's kind of achieving goals. Yeah. <laughs> that's achieving goals the So, where would you like to play that you haven't mm. in the world, mm. and span specifically at club, perhaps?
1: It'd be amazing to play Panorama Bar, but I don't think I'd ever get to because I'm very much known as Mr. Pop. Um, I do like and can play tech house, which I did do for the Pump Night at Dawson Superstore. Um, I'd probably go down the more 80s electronic, stroke disco, stroke house route if I was to pay Panorama. I don't think it would be yeah something that was ever offered to me. But it's somewhere that I would... It'd be amazing just for the experience. Yeah. Um, I would love to... I'm going to Ibiza for the first time this year. Okay. like 20 years overdue um, I knew it did go in 1998 but it was just before I was going to move out of home for the first time so no sorry I'd, I'd just moved to Northampton but I was going to move to London so yeah, I, I decided not to financially and then it hasn't come up and it's my mate's 40th birthday and he's having it there this year so I'd love to play in a Ibiza again it wouldn't be like in a massive club I'd much rather do a bar with a nice view of the sea or whatever and play the more kind of Balearic chilled nice mid-tempo soulful yeah. And stuff yeah. Um, so yeah I guess playing abroad more really does appeal um, I mean, I've cities just, in the States
0: perhaps San Francisco
1: yeah and, I mean yeah I'd, lo- I'd love to go to San Fran right. and I've never been oh. and, yeah, place. and because my friend David has moved to LA I would probably do like an LA and San Fran trip all in one yeah. and I mean the great thing with DJing and to the level that I've done it is that you do end up knowing people in different cities and it's it's a thing where you know I can if I'm going to travel somewhere I can try and see if I can get set somewhere as well and it helps pay for your holiday or for your flight but it's yeah, also fun you meet new people and absolutely you know, it's, it's a great way to, to, to do the work. Um,
0: I've gone way off track from all my questions and I, we, I we're we're going to be it's in good, for hours. It's now. fine because I go way off track and start talking about <laughs> other things as well. So. I, haven't got to, I haven't got to the podcast yet. Yeah. But, um, which I do want to come to In fact let's just Because um, there's all sorts of questions about You've answered about When you started DJing We know the answer to that um, So yeah um, I know we've talked off uh, off mic About podcasting. So if you could just give us a brief
1: Summary of how
0: the podcast came to be Okay Well I've, I've DJed in clubs and bars
1: now For uh, 17 No 18 years 18 years in May And um, I've always wanted to do radio, but the clubbing, like DJing, just kind of took off and took its own flight. And so it's been something that I've always wanted to do on the side, but it's never happened. I mean, I did do hospital radio years ago in Milton Keynes, yeah, for like two years. I started off doing an 80s show first and then I did a love song show. And I did do, we did do R&G on the radio as well. We did it on Hogson Radio for the best part of this year. But we decided to give it up for various reasons, Um, and one of them was also because I started my own podcast, which is Retro Chart Trivia. And I started the podcast because I want to get into radio properly, and I thought to myself, how can I get to get to do that? And you know, it's not like I have the experience in like media training or in studying media, so I'm very much going down the more do-it-yourself route. And I thought, you know, if I do my own show and put it onto Mixcloud or do a podcast, then I will do it that way. Um, and I love 80s pop music more than anything else. It's, it's my childhood. It's, you know, my love of music is from then. And so I just thought, you know, what? I'm just going to do it myself and put it onto iTunes. And I didn't know if it would get accepted onto iTunes because of the use of pre-recorded music. Yeah. But apparently if it's for the purpose of critique and review, then you can. It's a bit of a grey area. So I've just been using short clips of each track and because Smash It's the magazine was my life, and I just loved their sense of humour, I very much want it to be like the silly facts rather than the factual ones. Although I do, I do love a good chart fact as well, like about sales yeah, and, yeah. and whatnot. But I, I like the silly things that Smash It's would find out or ask people like about their favourite desserts or where they went on holiday or who they wish they were. Um, you know, yes. Just silly facts are more fun.
0: I think it makes yes, it for a more yeah. fun listen. Um, It's the facts about Kim Wilde that seem to... She doesn't like rice pudding. pudding.
1: (laughs) She might do now, but in 1987
0: she didn't. I I mean dear listeners I would say if you haven't I have I think I believe I have uh, recommended you before but if you haven't then you must and it's everywhere iTunes it's on
1: iTunes but if you don't use iTunes then it's on Podcast Addict if you're on Android it's on Google Podcast as well basically any of them if you just Google Retro Chart Trivia then you'll find it
0: and it's cheers me up, has cheered me up many times. Cool, um, thank you. So, no, you're very welcome. Um, I have to talk about, yeah, your connections with um, pop stars and Simon Hobart, working for him. Yes. Um,
1: I used to go to pop stars anyway. It was the first club I went to in London before I even lived here. I went with some friends from Northampton just because we'd read about it in the face. And, uh, you know, because we liked our indie alternative music, it was like, this is the place we have to go to. Um, and yeah, it was just brilliant. Um, the first time I went was when it was at the Leisure Lounge in Holborn. And then the next time I went, it moved to the complex in Islington. Yeah. Which I think it still was there when I moved to London in the summer ninety nine, but very shortly afterwards it moved to the Scala in King's Cross. Yes. So I would go maybe once every I don't know month or six weeks or so. I didn't have loads of money when I first came to London. Money was tight so I couldn't go out with the tire. And I hadn't got the social life, you know, I hadn't met loads of people yet, so yeah, I was still yeah. quite new going out on my own which is, you know that was the whole new nice playground to go just to a gay bar on your own and meet people yeah, it's quite a healthy thing to do yeah yeah so um, I then started dating the guy who did the tickets for pop stars called Chris I can't remember what the name of the bar was next door to the Scala it changed names a few times
0: oh um, yes
1: I mean I think they did tickets for a while from Retro Bar years yeah. ago and then it, and then I think it was actually called then, the Pop Stars Bar for it was a while pop Stars Bar. Yeah. but then it changed to something else then it had like a kind of like Egyptian Middle Eastern feel to it or something yeah, I can't yeah, remember what it's yeah, called yeah, by. Yeah. Then. but anyway he did the tickets there yes. and then we started dating and then I used to say to him look the um, the, the pop room Is great but there's so much pop music that they don't play that they could and he's like well why don't you do it why don't you do a demo for um for simon and i was like i can't i haven't got any dj equipment and he spoke to simon for me and simon said just do him a a um a compilation of what i would play so i did that and they gave me a trial and the trial went super well and then i was djing there from may 2001 it was my first london gig and i remember being told afterwards because back then it was strictly 80s and a bit of 90s in that pop room you know in 2001 you weren't really playing the modern stuff no, no. which I loved so it's all you know Cindy Lauper girls just want to have fun men and yeah. kids respectable all this stuff and I played Kiss Crazy Crazy Nights and Simon used to be like an 80s like, super, like rock fan he was like oh my god I can't believe he's playing Kiss and I think that's what might have swung me getting that gig his, um, his assistant um, God, what was her name Gaynor uh-huh. she told me afterwards like they were standing there like watching the crowd watching what I was doing and he couldn't believe I was playing Kiss and that the crowd were dancing to it um, it's, you could certainly never get away with that song now but <laughs> at the time it, was, you know, yeah, yeah. it worked yeah well, I mean,
0: yeah, it's, it's such a shame that it doesn't exist anymore, yeah. apart from specials. Um, so, uh, I mean, for me, it was also Trash Palace and, yes. um, and then The Ghetto and Wig uh, yeah. Misshapes, Yes. I mean, the Ghetto was an amazing place and I think everyone,
1: yeah. everyone that ever went to Ghetto misses it. No, no, you. You know, they, they, they never managed to recreate it and it just, you know, the breadth of what was on. Like, Out was this crazy uber camp party, pop party, right next door to the Astoria, which was doing the same thing. But, you know, the, the um, Ghetto was full to the rafters, of the queue down the street it had its own crowd. Uh, but in the week, they would do, like, the cop on Friday would be a lot yeah, more like the whole yeah, electro-clash yeah. thing that's going on. Yeah. Nag Nag Nag, which was dead for six weeks and then suddenly exploded. And, you know, I, I had a nine-to-five-day job still at that point. But I would go to Nag, Nag 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 and have, like, three hours sleep and go to work the next day and feel fine because I was that young. yeah,
0: yeah. But
1: yeah. I remember going to Nag for the first time and walking in, and everyone looked like they'd stepped out of a new romantic club. And I was like... Who are these people? Where have they come from? And they're all wearing aces because I'm so obsessed with anything, aces, yeah, not just yeah, yeah. the music. And it was just like, and all these things would happen there, like Don't Call Me Babe or Dusty O on a Tuesday, yes, yes, and Miss Shapes, which was like kind of like indie alternative. It was a complete breadth of nights, all in one week, all in one uh, venue. And you would get visit you you always And you would get people that would go to Nag Nag Nag, but who would also love Wig Out as well. They wouldn't just go to one night. It, it felt know. like one big, massive family. Yeah, it, was, no, no. it was an it really, amazing really place. Really was. So it was, very
0: different, very different to, to Next Door. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I was... I don't know if I should say this. I doubt Jeremy will listen to this podcast anyway. I was very anti-GAY when I first came right. to, to London. Because to me, it was super camp, I and mean, when I was suppressing my super camp side, and also it was very groping. Like, you would go, and you'd always have some guy just groping you. And you whereas going to pop stars it was like it was friendly it was a friendly crowd the crowd at GAY all seemed quite bitchy quite gropy. i loved the music but i didn't like the crowd and so i literally before i started djing for him i literally went about five times in 10 years it really wasn't my thing
0: yeah do you remember here's a question for you did you ever go to probably maybe before your time fruit machine at heaven
1: that, was that the one that was R&B? Yeah. Well, yes. No, I never That's did, actually. I just no. Came to mind. No, I, I went to Heaven on Saturdays, like uh, Fridays or Saturdays when it was house music, yeah. with um, Wayne G DJing. Oh, yes. Um,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I
1: would go a few times then. Um, but, yeah, I guess the house clubbing, I kind of put on the side a bit, and it was very much like pop stars was my home. Yeah. That's what I'd yeah, go yeah, to, and yeah. then ghetto,
0: so I had all that going on. Well, let's hope that maybe somebody decides to... To bring it back from from the dead because for good, because yes. I miss it, and it'd be quite an older crowd now. I think cause people that miss it would be. Yeah. <laughs> um So proudest apart from Banana Rama, your other proudest moment of your career so far. Oh, I mean, I remember I used to DJ for Guilty Pleasures
1: as well, and at Coco. Uh, Again, at that time as well, it was also mainly 70s, 80s, 90s. You wouldn't really go beyond that. They've updated now just to keep the crowd because less people are going out for that music. Um, You you have to adapt. Yeah. But um, I remember it took a while before I realised because I was already doing Camp Attack at that stage, which I think by then had moved to heaven. And then I suddenly realised that I was DJing at both the biggest straight retro pop party and the biggest gay retro pop party. And that felt like a real kind of epiphany is just like yeah. if ever you feel like you've made it I, I felt you know
0: it's
1: I kind of I'm one of those people who just kind of takes everything in my stride I never kind of like big myself up and say I'm doing this I'm doing that yeah. but when I kind of realised that I was like you know you're doing alright for yourself Yeah. yeah. so yeah. I think that was very much a moment that I felt absolutely take a, a moment
0: just a, a gentle tap on one's back yeah, 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 yeah. brilliant I mean um, I'm going to throw some quick fire at ooh, you ooh there's a quick fire then... round okay <laughs> so the quick fire round goes as this okay. song that will always cheer you up
1: You Came Kim Wilde it's probably my favourite song of all, yeah, all time existed Stop. Find it. Listen. Play. <laughs> it's just so uplifting and happy and positive. Oh God, yes. And it's just, it's just. I love it. I absolutely adore it. Have you ever met Kim? I've not met Kim. I have yeah. been in the same room as her. Like she was backstage at one of those Here and Now uh, tours, yeah, 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 yeah. and she was there. So was Lamal, actually, that you mentioned. Um, I went to see Kim Wilde. Hadn't played a full proper London gig for. I think it was 20 years and then she did one at uh, Shepherd's Bush Empire. Did you go? Yeah. No. It was no, insane. So it was, yeah. I mean, I knew she was good because I've seen her uh, on the Here and Now tours and she's brilliant and she loves being on stage but she blew it out of the water, that gig. It was just, the first, literally the first 40 minutes it was bam, bam, bam. All of the like big bangers yeah, and it yeah. was, it was, beyond what I imagined she would do. It was so good. And then she kind of brought it down because it was like a Christmas gig where she'd done her Christmas album. She did an acoustic session and the Christmas session next to each other. And like I kind of think they should have been split up because it kind of right. brought the mood down for too long. But then she brought it back up at the end. Sure. Yeah. No, I love UK. definitely. Fabulous. Kim, I oh, know, yeah, yeah. She's a national treasure.
0: <laughs> um, and did you ever, have you ever encountered Kim Appleby on your no.
1: travels? Yeah. No, I'd love to. Okay. She, she works for Ivan Novello now, doesn't she? she works oh, yes. For songwriting oh, yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe it'll happen
0: along your way. I hope so. Um, um, song that you would play to get ready to yeah, go to work, to go to put yourself out. I guess it's going to change depending on what job yeah, you're going to. Yeah. But say you're going to, you're going to R&G. If I'm going
1: to r and I mean, generally, I might not necessarily listen to what I'm going to be playing sure. at night. Unless, obviously, if I'm doing my preparation for the night, then yeah. But if I'm sticking something on for whilst I'm getting ready, I would probably just stick you? on... I have these different playlists in my iTunes that like suit different like times of day or moods. Uh-huh. There's one I used to make like compilations for myself in the 90s. so one's called Nightlife, and anything that's like in my Nightlife playlist that's like four stars or above is in the Classic Nightlife Smart playlist, and then I'll just put that on Brilliant. random, and it'll play something that's like that, that you can dance to to go out. But it could be anything. It'd be like 80s pop or some 70s disco, some 90s house. I mean it generally will be more likely to be something older than something current,
0: but I do no, obviously like some kind yeah. of stuff too. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, song that is guaranteed to get like the, the emotions okay. flowing. Oh, if you feel need like to just have a good you know, sob or a, like, okay. an angry moment or a, okay. a squidgy moment, any of the above. Or if there's one that does all, then You're that's a the, winning song.
1: Uh, have you heard of Craig Armstrong?
0: Yes. Yes. Craig oh. Armstrong
1: does a lot yeah. of streams, like yeah. soundtracks. He's worked with Pet Shop Boys and he's worked with um, York. Bjork. Yes, he's worked with Bjork, yep, exactly. He bought a new album out last year. I can't remember what the album's called, but the lead song was it was a track called Morel, M A R E Double L E. Okay. It's this absolutely beautiful, haunting just a piano. And it's a very echoey lots of reverb.
0: Yeah. It
1: stopped me in my tracks as soon as I heard it, and that kind of music, I can lose myself in. Um, like I love Nocturne by Kate Bush. That's my oh. favourite track by Kate Bush right. ever. Again, it's just that kind of sweeping soundscape. You can really lose yourself in the music. Things like Blue Nile, The Hats album. I lo- adore that album. Just yeah, I love I love synths
0: very much. So and synths touch the nerves. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and strings as well, for, for sure. Strings. Yeah, um, and a song that will this. Religious- such a hard question for Tuanza song that will never fail to make you dance
1: uh, Patty LaBelle Music is My Way of Life
0: oh god
1: it's incredible it's, it's did not
0: expect that wow okay. it's one of my
1: favourite disco records ever and I just think the, the lyrics as well uh, it's my life it's all about like I will go out dancing and then tomorrow I'm going to be back there I'm going to be dancing again it's, it's about how music is, is her life so just, yeah. to me it's like very much
0: oh yeah great yeah oh it, my god and it, it's,
1: it's one of those tracks that even if you don't know it if you like to you can't help but move to it it's just
0: instant and it, yeah it, 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 I'm just I'm moving whilst I'm talking <laughs> about it <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could see it happening then <laughs> um, okay and then these are really um, well a little bit easier um, favourite album of all time
1: and why? Donna Summer Another Place and Time which some friends will tell me off for because it's like, it's not classic Donna Summer because it's the Stock in and Waterman album but for me it takes me back to 1989 when my mum was working part time as well as my dad and my sister it was the first time I had the house to myself basically I'd got my Spectrum computer and I had my Kylie Enjoy Yourself album and Donna Summer Another Place in Time on a loop and it just brings back really, really happy memories and it's an album that I have continued to listen to ever since, like every year like all the time, there's there's not a probably a week that goes by that I don't hear a song from that album and I oh, will pretty, s- stuck with you, really stuck with yeah, me. Yeah, really stuck with me, for sure. Um, um,
0: just it's gonna be a, this week, today favourite single of all time. Yeah. I mean You yeah. Came, Kim Wild I think is, is the one. Yeah, really? I think so, okay. yeah.
1: I mean things can change like from year to year, but at the moment I think that's just if I had to to do like a top five or top three for
0: a publication or a show or whatever I think Kim would be number one so if anyone who knows of Kim Wilde's people (laughs) and she's looking to have someone open for her oh yes (laughs) I mean dear lord Um, and yeah and then just finally two things um, what does the rest of the year hold for you what are the big 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 moments that you're looking forward to this
1: year? I've just been booked to DJ at European Gay Ski Week, which looks absolutely mental. Um, they have a which D- is which is in Geneva and it's Geneva. in March, last week of March. And they have a DJ they have they have all these big clubs, like Hustler Ball is there, they have these big like gay club brands there in the evening. But I've been booked to do the apres Ski, so after they finish their skiing, just something that's not so banging but still uplifting and makes you want to dance. So I'm going to be doing that, which I'm very excited to, oh, yeah. to do. I mean, I've, I've always wanted to go to Switzerland as well because I've got Swiss blood. Like my, my grandma, my dad's side, was French-speaking Swiss. And I've never been to Switzerland. Okay. So I've always had a passing interest because it's very beautiful, Switzerland. Um, so I might get to explore a little bit. So I'm looking
0: forward to that. Okay, um, brilliant. I'll be
1: doing Mighty Hoopla Festival again this year, which is great uh-huh. fun. I'm really looking forward to doing that. Um, and I've just started a new pop night called Lux Slux. <laughs> with, yeah. with, with Taylor Trash which is this East-based drag queen but I know him as John Brock I've known him for years I've oh, met right. him through yeah. pop stars actually okay. I've known him since 2001, 2002 when he first started going and like, I'm, basically I'm the person he's known the longest in London and right. we're still friends now he started this drag persona hilarious, Taylor Trash um, and we started a pop night together and that's at Tipsy in Dalston so that's a new night I've begun um,
0: apart from that... <laughs> I mean, that's a lot already. There's <laughs> a few things to look
1: forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing Robin live at last. She's playing Alexander oh, Palace. yeah, yeah, There's yeah, some gigs yeah. coming up that I'm looking that, forward yeah. to. Yeah. Who else am I seeing this? There's There's someone else, I'm sure.
0: I think you'll need to have a holiday that's not a working holiday at yeah. some point perhaps. Just...
1: Well, I'm going to Ibiza for my friend's 40th. There you go. And I won't be working, so I'm looking forward to that. But I think that's going to be a bit of a raving holiday, at least for a couple of days anyway. But I think we will also be relaxing a lot. He's, he's got like a really nice villa that's got a nice pool and some grounds and whatnot, because he's got money. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. There's a nice holiday coming up, too.
0: Fabulous. And then, where do people? Where can people find you on all the social media? Okay, all of my socials are at Neil DJ.
1: My Neil is N E I L. Prince like the artist Neil Prince DJ. Um, And the podcast is Retro Chart Trivia. Now, unfortunately, I couldn't have at Retro Chart Trivia for all of my socials because it was one character too long for Twitter. So oh, annoying. Oh. So instead, it's just oh. at Chart Trivia so okay. at chart trivia all is one word uh, that is the social uh, for retro chart trivia
0: thank you so much and then you just reminded we haven't talked about Prince so we'll have to have another last no, where we just dedicate <laughs> to Prince because anyway did you ever see him live? Yeah. Uh, nine times
1: I saw three yeah. I saw him on the three one two one I went to tour oh, I yeah. went three times to that and I got a ticket to go um. Uh, Basically I, got, I bought one ticket, and my friend uh, Claire, she bought another ticket. And we, cause I think it, it didn't tell you your seats at the time, but it everything was meant to be a good seat. And we said, whoever gets the better seat will keep that ticket and sell the other one. But then my friend Stella is like a major Prince fan. So we decided to get like the VIP tickets on the first night so we could go on the first night as a treat to ourselves. And that was the first time I'd seen him. And when I saw that, I was like, I'm going to go three times. I'm not going to sell that other ticket. Uh-huh. Just an incredible, as you well know, seeing him nine times. I love Sexy, that tour.
0: Everyone talks about that one. <laughs> so if people listening, go and find that. That is available on, I think it's on YouTube anyway. Yeah. Find it somewhere. Neil Prince, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're very are very welcome. Much. Thank you, sir. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> so ladies and gents, we realized after we finished that Neil hadn't actually explained to you what Retro Chart Trivia was about. We'd said where you can get it, well, we hadn't told you what it was, so I have another one minute and twenty seconds or so of Neil just explaining that. So, uh, Neil, take it away again. <laughs> We've just realised that we missed out the actual description of the podcast. Yes, almost. Um, nice. So, please,
1: Neil. my distracted brain. <laughs> the podcast, as we do know, is called Retro Chart Trivia. So, yes. basically, what it does is it goes through the top forty of that very week, but from any year in the eighties. So. For example, then I don't know when this is going out, but it will
0: ne- be out at the it'll be out Saturday this weekend. Okay,
1: so the, the next episode from mine is coming out on Monday, Monday the 21st. Before then. So it's going to be Monday, the well, not Monday, but it'll be the 21st of January 1980, and it basically goes through the chart from 40 to 1, and you get a piece of trivia about not, not, not always every single track, but most of the tracks in that top 40. So it's, it's basically like going through the charts and you get a little bit of trivia and from 40 to 1. So, yes. I didn't actually explain what
0: the podcast was. I just, I just started talking about how I wanted to do radio. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so sorry about that, listeners. It's good. We've got it now. And this is the little add on at the end. But anyway, so, Neil, thank you again. Say goodbye again. Are. Thank
1: you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.